Hi and welcome to Square in the Circle, a podcast about how business owners in the creative industry balance the art and the business. Dave McColl, also known as the Metaverse Man. Welcome to Squaring the Circle. How are you? I'm very well, Ben. Thanks for uh, having me. No, it's my pleasure. I've been, uh, as soon as this was scheduled in, I've been looking forward to this chat. Um, and I really don't know where it's going to go. And that's, I think that's going to be the fun of it. Um, well, that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought we'd just... Um, I thought we'd just kick off the, the, the discussion, the, the chat, with my two definitions of firstly Web3 uh, and the metaverse in, in a couple of sentences. And then you can tell me if I'm way off and you can uh, obviously talk about it yourself or you can say that's bang on. Um, and again, we can have a, a chat about that as well, because, because I think it's going to be really helpful for the listeners that don't know too much about the metaverse and Web3, because they do sound a bit scary, don't they? Uh, unless you know too much about them. So um, as far as I'm concerned, this is my understanding of the metaverse. The metaverse essentially is the Internet in 3D. OK, um, and then Web3, I would say, is... Um, uh, the internet, but decentralized um, and running on cryptocurrency, essentially. Now, I could be way off, but over to you. <laughs> right. Let's put it in some kind of order. Let's start with, um, with Web3. Web3 properly kicked in when Apple started their uh, privacy war with Facebook. Uh, they brought out, I think it was ver version 14.5 iOS last year. So when that was launched... It was all about giving um, privacy back to the, the user. But as we all know, we're the products of Facebook and Google uh, and everything else because people have just got fed up with providing the big texts uh, with all that content. Um, so Web3 has got uh, basically three main principles. Um, the biggest, the biggest one and the one that people really need to have a good takeaway from it is you mentioned about crypto. And you're kind of right. But it's about value exchange. So rather than simply information exchange, which is what we're currently doing, this is uh, uh, value exchanges between applications. So what I mean by that is entities can program exchange value with each other without a custodian. So there's no middleman and, uh, and all the rest of it. And it can uh, be very transparent. You can put smart contracts together, which are... Um, held on the blockchain and, it, and in a sense that's that's what's going to be the fundamental below it it's going to be the blockchain technology because that's been around for quite a while and to, to give people some um, insight into what blockchain actually is they're basically they're ledgers with uh, uh, the ability to share information exchange value you can enable a high de degree of uh, emerging creativity as well on that so it's got lots and lots of um, use cases um, and basically, it's kind of like the go-to where you can see, uh, for instance, when you buy Bitcoin, it goes on its own blockchain. You can see all the various transactions that are going on. Don't see people's names, but you see the key numbers and, uh, and all the rest of it. So without getting too technical, it's nice and transparent, which uh, Web2 at the moment isn't. We, as I said earlier, we're providing a lot of, of our own data to these, uh, these big techs. So blockchain provides it interoperable uh, means of storing um, and exchanging programming rights. For example, cryptocurrency you mentioned, assets and identity. So 
that's kind of like some of the fundamentals of Web3. It also gives decentralization of the net. Uh, the power shifts back from the likes of Facebook and Google back to the individual users and creators. So that leads to an ex- that will lead to an explosion of creativity, which basically brings us on to the metaverse and, and the mm. one for and why. Mm. Um, metaverse, yes, three-dimensional, immersive. Um, it basically elevates the sense of digital self, bringing new forms of expression. So what I mean by that is you can actually walk into a website, technically speaking. So cutting things right down and the work that we're doing, we're, we're working on a, an e-commerce driven um, metaverse. There are lots and lots of different types of metaverses out there. So there is no one size fits all explanation. But the one that I'm working with will enable you to do something like... Um, we're working with Riddick Bowe, the ex-heavyweight boxing champion. You could technically spar with Riddick Bowe. We're putting a virtual um, arena together, which you've seen the images on on, uh, on LinkedIn. And uh, obviously, you can do that without getting hurt. So that's an advantage that you, can, is, uh, yeah. you yeah. can take on. He's, he's still pretty handy, despite being in his 50s, you know. So all the facets of commerce, as we know right now, in the physical world, are available on, on our metaverse called Megaverus. So that's uh, that's the name of the um, of the island that we're creating. When you said it's a website that you walk into, that's amazing. That that to me is just clicked because that makes perfect sense to me. And also the fact that you go you can go into essentially a physical quote physical shop, interact with people or interact with avatars or however people are presenting themselves. Yeah. So that's um, yeah, that's really interesting. So thank you for summing that up. Um, and you mentioned creativity a couple of times in, in that um, introduction. And I think that was key. And I'd like, really like to kind of explore that because in your opinion, um, how, can, how can people in the creative industry get on the train now? Because obviously, whether you like it or not, the metaverse is coming, um, Web3 is coming. Now, maybe we'll have a, a bit of a discussion about how much it's going to be adopted in, in the future. But for now, what do you think, well, there's so many questions, but for now, what do you think creative people, people in the creative industry, how can they get involved um, in, in the metaverse and, uh, and Web3? Right, they, they already are. Um, I'll talk about a subject I'm pretty versed on, and that's uh, construction. So think of an architect. Um, they're pretty creative people. They're, they're there to design and um, help get houses and buildings built. Um, we're working with uh, an architect that's putting together uh, an $11 million mansion in real life in, uh, in Malibu, California. They're going to have that replicated on the metaverse as well as a bit of a showcase to show people what their work's like and so forth. Now, I, I say this to everybody. Can you imagine how cool it would be if you can actually put your hand in and pick that house up and turn it around and look at it? Um, why you'd want to do that doesn't matter. But the fact that you'd have the capability of doing that or going into the house and picking up a box from the shelf, putting it down on the floor, and it expands to a sofa or a couch or a, uh, a bed or whatever room that you're in. One of the benefits of doing that, as opposed to going through a two-dimensional website to tour uh, a home like you can in, the, in some um, developers in the UK, is you get the sense of actually how big or small the area is. So you can do you can make a buying decision really, really quickly. So where the creator can use their imagination, it will help the buyer understand uh, 
all the facets to whatever it is that they do. But here's the smart thing, and this is where people and businesses really need to look, and maybe this is for another discussion. NFTs are going to be key in all of this because that represents your ownership. They're one of one, they're original, stored on the blockchain, and you can do smart contracting behind that. So you could come out with a program where um, you, you, you write uh, a program in your skill set and you produce it to, to the UK market and people buy it. One of your guys or your customers might turn around and say, look, you know, we've got this um, uh, sector over in Germany. Can you replicate it in German? Yes, of course you can. So you sell that license. That license then can be resold as many times as you like. And if it's built into the contract, you as the creator get the residual income. Mm. So it's not all about, you know, um, being, being very arty or, or being able to draw or things like that, although those things are extremely helpful. But it's all about um, vision, what you see that presents value to the customer going forward. And a great example of that, there's a, a motivational speaker, Gary Vaynerchuk. He, he came out with, um, I think it was 10,000 NFTs last year called VFriends. He made about $90 million out of that. But he's made another 400 million out of the resales. So the second and third degrees are much more profitable than the first. And so I suppose that that links in really well with, um, and, I've, and I've seen a lot written about this in terms of NFTs, but musicians, filmmakers, instead of going to record labels or production companies, so um, they could, for instance, just say, I, I made a film tomorrow. There would well, correct correct me if I'm wrong, but there would be nothing stopping me creating that as an NFT, mm-hmm. um, whether it's one or a thousand. And then once they're gone, they're gone, and that's that. Is that is that correct? And and it would be my choice on what price it would be. It would be my choice on who I sold it to. Um, is that? And, and obviously, it would be the same with musicians or or any creative that's creating something of, of value. Is that is that correct? So. From a, from a musician's standpoint, it cuts the middleman out, or it can cut the middleman out. Uh, I think it was last year, the first major musicians that did this was, um, I'm trying to think of the name of that, will come to me in a minute. But it's a, it's a popular band that come out with an album, and they had some NFTs that were uh, associated with it. So the album was released as an NFT, and within that, you can put in whatever you like. I think they had uh, meet and greets, backstage parties, unlimited um, access to X, Y, and Z. And bands like Backstreet Boys are masters at this. Um, I, I think I think it was then they did a, uh, an NFT uh, recently where one of the um, components was a flight with them to wherever the destination was. And it wasn't cheap. It was about 50 grand or so, something like that. But people are buying these things because they want that experience. So... Yes, it can do that. I've, I've alluded to the smart contract way of how it would help businesses and so forth. But um, th- there's so many different um, areas that you could use this in because you and I have used NFTs probably without knowing. I know I definitely have. Um, and I'll, I'll try and explain. So when I last took a flight, I didn't have a ticket. So I went up and I said, there's my phone, scanned it on the scanner, got let on the flight. The flight was going to a specific destination at a specific time. It had a ticket number with my seat number, and it was allocated to me, plus my passport would have been associated with it. That's an example of an everyday NFT. You won't have that on the blockchain. You don't need it because you need to access that. 
But um, a fungible token, and the most probably the best known fungible token is the hundred dollar bill. What what that means is that can hundred dollar bill is a hundred dollars wherever you are globally. NFTs will have value to some people and not so much to others. So that's one of the good slash downsides to it. So you have to create that um, that thing of, of worth. So with with the, within a, a non fungible token, it's all about the creator's mind and putting it out in the first place. And the difference between that and the one hundred dollar bill, it's one of one. So you have one one NFT. It's got a unique number. It's held on the blockchain, and it will it will have a value to somebody that uh, depending on whether the seller wants to sell it would, would relinquish. Does that make sense? Yeah. You say one of one. So let's just, again, keep it simple for my simple little brain. Just say I made a film and yeah. I want, but, and, but I wanted to sell a thousand of these NFTs yeah. rather than just one of one. Yeah. Is, so that, so, uh, so an, an NFT doesn't have to be one of one. Is that what you're saying? Or- no, an NFT in that instance, you might want to say, um, oh, here's, here's a clip from the very first five seconds. NFT number one, and so on. You wouldn't want to do the same thing twice because that takes the uniqueness away from it all. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So and well, you, so, well, you, uh, so you can and, sell and, NFTs as giveaways. You know, you, they could be um, here's here's access to the premiere of of the showing of, of said film. Now you could have two or three hundred of those. But just remember, when they go into the auditorium, they're all going to be individually seated, aren't they? So they will be different by definition. So, but specifically, an NFT is always one of one. It is, it is unique, yeah? Yes. I mean, there's a, the most well-known one at the moment is um, Board 8 Yacht Club, and there are thousands of those, but they've all got a different hashtag number. So technically, you can only own one of them. Yeah. Those. But then you've got some NFT uh, forming um, part of contracts with shared ownership of buildings. So you can really do whatever you like. You can have a building. Um, I mean, I've done fractional ownership in, in the real world before where and how it works is you, you'll have, like, say, a hotel and you can either buy the hotel in its entirety or perhaps own one of the rooms, you know, and rent it out. Airbnb is uh, sort of an offshoot from that now. Um but with, uh, with, with NFT ownerships, it represents the ownership of the asset. So just think of the asset that's behind it. And the NFT is the digital uh, format of it that's held on the blockchain. Hmm. Okay. With, because it's all reasonably new, this new technology, is there going to be, is it quite a, a large or high barrier for entry to get involved. I'm, I may be thinking more of the metaverse here where you need 3D animation. And, you know, these things that you're talking about sounds incredible for businesses mm-hmm. that have a huge um, marketing budget or, or huge budget overall. Um, but I suppose that's, it's going to take quite a long time for this technology to be cheap enough so everybody can get involved. Um, is that fair to say? Um, it may actually go the other way. Uh, things like um, if you start from land ownership, I've actually got some, um, some some land in the metaverse, and that sounds crazy, you know, virtual land. What's all that about? Well, I can do whatever ever I like with that. I can build on it. I can sell it if I want to sell it later. When I sell it, I'll make I'll make a profit out of it and go on just like the real world. Um, but in terms of entry levels and so forth, 
the way that we are doing it is designed to be as reasonably um, entry level possible as, as, as you can get. So if you wanted to buy land for argument's sake and you were looking at the available options, now the, the two bigger ones are Sandbox and Decentraland. And I wouldn't be surprised to see people pay uh, upwards of fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for a, for a strip of land that's a tenth of the size of the land that we sell at three thousand dollars. So there's some value already. Um, you can build on that, so you can put a house on it or a business, and the the build cost will start from something like a thousand dollars upwards. So it's a lot, lot cheaper than the real world entity, and then there'll be nominal hosting uh, costs on a monthly basis anyway. But but I, I suppose I'm talking more about um, a potentially, a, you know, very small business, self-employed person or a small business with 10 or less employees. And if they came to you or the people you work with and say, right, I want a website that you can walk into. Is that yeah. because technology is so new? Is it is it doable? I suppose that's what I'm saying. Is, uh, oh, absolutely. Or, or do we have to wait? No, that's that, that's that's available now. That's easy. That stuff's really straightforward. I thought it was a real box of tricks, but no, that, that, that stuff's really, really straightforward. Hello, I'm Martin, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer from the Creative Co What? Stick to the script. Right, okay. Fine. Hello, I'm Martin, and I'm Ben's sidekick from the Creative Collective Networking Group. Oh, God. At 1pm every other Wednesday, we meet on Zoom with... <gasps> Videographers, photographers, web designers, graphic designers, marketing agencies, publishers, authors, actors, voiceover artists, copywriters, ghost writers, script writers, sound recordists, foley artists, video game designers, app designers, content creators, 3D printers, the people, not the machine, image consultants, jewellery makers, knife makers, medal makers, musicians, producers, presenters, and more. To have fun, build relationships, and work together. To register for an upcoming event, visit thecreativecollectivenetworking.co.uk. See you there. Unless you have your camera turned off, which someone did recently. The Creative Collective. Collaboration, not competition. Was that better? Good. One question I have, um, and it's probably something that you've had to tackle quite a lot, because yeah. you're you're in you're in the metaverse you're sort yeah. of in you're in the game is that we've talked about the positive stuff and there's i think there's a huge amount of positive things what about the the impact that all this is having on um the environment because i especially in terms of uh, i mean i don't know too much about it but you hear of mining on hard drives and you know all these things are happening and obviously if this continues to get bigger which i'm sure it will get bigger mm -hmm. and bigger and bigger is there is there anything from the huge companies that are in the game at the moment? Are they looking at that, or is it something that the um, the sort of crypto world is is bothered about? Um, it's it's a great question, and uh, the yes, they are is is the, is the short answer. They are looking at um, solutions and things like this. I do get asked about um, environmental impact and um, security. Is it safe mm. and so forth? Um, going back to blockchain, crypto, etc., there's a huge myth out there that it consumes so much more energy than the current banking system. 
there's no evidence to prove it either way, whether it does or not, that I can say, here it is. Yeah. You'll go and talk to someone who's a crypto enthusiast and they'll tell you the what for us and why's. But I do know that countries like El Salvador are using natural resources. It's renewable energy. So even if they are using a lot of this energy, because it's renewable, it's not as bad as the fossil fuels that historical banks and, and, and of the like have been using for the past few decades. And they're getting better as well, you know, but you only have to go to London, you walk past Canary Wharf, and it's like a Christmas tree there. They leave all their lights on, they've got energy centres uh, uh, of um, uh, contact centres that are manned 24-7. That's obviously uh, going to affect the environment. But the way that the, uh, the, the crypto industry, the blockchain, Web3, metaverses are looking at is to reduce that to, you know, levels that are appropriate. Because, again governments and so forth will be looking at these sort of things and i think there'll come a time when if you don't meet certain standards that will impact on your business i believe that's starting now but um no it's it, it is something that the, that the industry has been very aware of for the past goodness knows how long and uh yes in the early days of bitcoin it was extremely energy sapping but it's got a lot more efficient now with new technology mm, okay yeah that's that's good to know mm. um just before we go on to our last couple of questions, uh, how long uh, Mystic Meg time now? Uh, get your crystal ball out. But how long do you think it's going to be until everything that we're speaking about, or that we've spoken about in the last thirty minutes or so, is completely mainstream? Wow, that's a tough one. Good luck. To look, to look forward, I look back now. The the internet really started to kick in. It was heard of in 95, 96. I don't know if you saw the, the, the video with um, Bill Gates and David Letterman on the Letterman show. And Letterman said to him, what's this internet thing all about? And he had to explain the what for's and why's. I think that was 95, August 95, something like that. Um, the internet really started in six, 1969. So it took that long to get to ask that question. And then it took about another seven to 10 years for people to start to adopt it. I remember getting my first home computer and plugging it in and downloading with a horrible screechy dial-up tone noise and thinking, I've got this picture in front of me, what do I do with it? And it's taken 20 or so years to get from there to where we are now. I don't think that what we've got on the plate at the moment in terms of Web3, Metaverse, et cetera, is going to take nearly as long. Because all the technology that's used, you've got um, augmented reality, XR, which is extended reality, virtual reality, VR, as we know. They've been around for quite a while. XR's been around since the 60s. And uh, learning centres and, and places like the uh, US Army and people like that have used these for years and years and years. The problem's been how to apply it in a everyday commercial type activity, and that's what we're doing now. So we've got to that uh, that's a high compass moment where we're just about to go stratospheric on that. And everyone was saying back in the 90s, I remember it myself like yesterday, that's never going to take off that internet thing. And we're all using it as standard now. So it doesn't answer your question, but hopefully it gives you some context, context in terms of how I think it may go. So from everything that I've, I've heard in our chat, I feel a lot more positive about the metaverse and, and, and Web3 for the simple reason I see, now again, tell me if I'm wrong, I see it not so much as 
it's going to change the world and it's an either or. This is going to be very much a combination of no one is in the metaverse is saying that we're going to stop going to pubs and going to gigs and having face to face in real life stuff. Yeah. What, what the metaverse and what Web3 will be doing will just be um, it'll be combining the best of both. A bit, a bit like what we've done in, in some ways the last two years in terms of hybrid working things. Is, is that, am I totally wrong or is that, is that about right? You're on the right lines, yes. I mean, gigs is a great thing. It's something I love. I've been to thousands of concerts in my life, you know, as, as an attendant and being part of. And one of the things you get is that atmosphere that you're there and you can see the whites of the eyes if you're right up close. Um, when you watch it on the telly or a flat screen, you don't get that. You see Glastonbury, for example, and you see those hundreds of thousands of people that are in the crowd. And um, if, you, if you're right at the back, good luck with that sort of thing. You're looking at a screen, aren't you? So you're, the, you, you're watching the screen, but with, with the atmosphere as such. Um, when you're in uh, a metaverse-type concert, I saw the Foo Fighters just after the Super Bowl um, this year. Um, that was interesting. I, I watched it with headset. I got a Quest 2. I went in, and I was a metre away from Dave Grohl. And I thought, I'm going to move. So I went and stood next to the drummer. I then went and stood next to Chris Schiffer on guitar. So you can do that. You don't have to go with the director's cut. That's one of the massive benefits of watching it through um, a ticketing service like that. And we, we are working with bands going forward on the, those type of experiences. Um, but when you, when you think about, oh, you have to have headsets to do this, that, and the other to use it. No, you don't. You have to be a gamer. No, you don't. Just replace the mindset with... Look, what you're doing in reality, you can do in the metaverse, plus some extras on top of that. I, I personally think that it, it, it will change lives because there's been studies um, produced by people a lot cleverer than I'll ever be that um, say when you look at VR experiences and so forth, you actually retain that information for a lot longer, you learn quicker, and for someone like me sort of a, the wrong side of 55 that's key um but also for kids as well they they pick up and adapt really really quickly now i'm not advocating that they should all sit down staring at screens all day but even when i've watched my kids game and things like that the, the, the information that they've retained the stuff that they've told me back then i thought ah, that's never going to take on and now look at it because metaverse technology has also got gaming technology mixed with it with the web3 and the uh, blockchain and NFT and crypto, et cetera, et cetera. If you put that in slight bacon a cake, if you put all the, those ingredients in together, that's fundamentally what, what, what's being produced is the, is, is the metaverse. So there's some really, really clever ideas. And so every day I'm, I'm looking at things, I'm thinking, Blumenek, where are we going to go? You know, it's all this uh, real clever innovation. It's just, just, just amazing stuff. Mm. Exciting times ahead, Dave, eh? It is, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Well, I've um, I've massively enjoyed our chat. Thank you for being um, so open with your knowledge. And uh, yeah, you've really, um, if nothing else, been totally selfish. You've made one person a lot clearer on it. So thank you for that. Um, so yeah, we, we've reached the, the final two questions. And the first one um, is a nice, simple one for you. But what book or resource in your profession has had the biggest impact on you? And I say profession, but it can be your life too. Oh, that's easy. There's a, um, there's a book called The Price of Tomorrow by a guy called Jeff Booth. And it's all about, well, it's not all about crypto. It's about the financial 
world and how it works now actually how it really does work not what we're told it is brilliant okay and he tackles a really really complex idea and puts it over in layman's i've told many people about it get it download it it's best 20 quid you'll spend or wherever much it is um i i've read it five or six times now and i often go to for research purposes he doesn't discuss anything that we've we've talked about but he mentions uh, the likes of Henry Ford was talking about his idea of cryptocurrency back in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So it's wow. just mad yeah. stuff. It really is. It's a, it's a brilliant read and it's easy. Awesome. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a great recommendation. Yeah. That sounds good. Um, I'll add that to the my ever-growing list too. Um, <laughs> so here we go. So this is, um, because you're on, Dave, I've slightly changed the final, final, final question. Um, but that question is what one piece of advice would you give creative business owners um, looking to dip their toe in the metaverse long sentences um, (laughs) understand blockchain technology yeah learn how nfts will really help you and your and your customers more so yeah it's not as difficult as as Perhaps it sounds, it's like anything when you ride a bike first times, you know, it's quite it. Understand smart contracts, because what all that does is provide transparency and liquidity. And you could charge for a program that can be bought once and sold over many, many times. Whereas now you have to keep going back with something and buy this and buy this and buy this. But the biggest bit, open mind. It's so, so key. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. You should have that for any business you run anyway, but certainly with um, uh, people in creativity-type uh, backgrounds, open mind is, is paramount. Amazing, yeah. Wow, um, what a way to end that, uh, this, uh, this chat. Um, Dave, Mr. Metaverse, McColl, as I live and breathe. Thank you so much for spending time on Square in the Circle. It's been an incredible chat. Um, have a lovely rest of your day. Thanks very much, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you've hated it, keep quiet. But if you've loved it, you can support the show by sharing it with anyone who may love it too. Have a nice one, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Squaring the Circle.